Welcome back, everybody, to Season 2, Episode 2 of Roped In. I'm your host, John Roper. Uh, I've got a nice little prediction-based episode coming ahead of us. It's the uh, MLB preview and predictions because spring training has officially kicked off. I'm also going to be talking about my, uh, not necessarily predictions, I guess, but questions that I have, which are my answers to the NBA after the All-Star break and its playoff push. Uh, and then finally, I'm just going to wrap it up with the worst franchises in sports. Now, I'm going to say my my major sports knowledge is the the major four American sports leagues. So those are the franchises I'm going to talk about. I might quickly mention other ones, but I can't say I have the craziest knowledge. Other leagues also have a different tier system where it's tricky to be the worst franchise because you don't stick around for long. You get relegated or things like that, like the English Premier League. But yeah, that's going to be my... Uh, my episode. So again, we've got the MLB preview and predictions, NBA after the All-Star break, and the worst franchises in sports. Sit back, relax, and let's get right into it. So starting off my MLB kind of preview and prediction section, I'm going to be talking about the Dodgers situation right now because not much of a preview but it is a big story in baseball and I want to mention it. Uh, The big story with the Dodgers is their contract situation. So Dodgers are an amazing team, an amazing franchise, had an amazing team last year and they've just gone out and got two bona fide Japanese free agents that to me has made it a bit unfair and I'm going to explain why. So they they signed uh, Yashimoto Yamamoto or uh, Yoshinori. Uh, I might be messing up the first name. Yamamoto is definitely the last name. Um, the the big Japanese pitcher. Uh, they signed him for a twelve year, three hundred twenty five million dollar contract, and along with him, they got who my goat, my MVP, Shohei Otani, a ten year, seven hundred million dollar contract, which makes him the richest paid athlete through the contract um, in North American sports. Uh, As you can do the math, it's an average of $70 million a year. It is absolutely nuts. Uh, So you you kind of do the math on that one. Over the next 12 years, they're putting a billion dollars into two people. Now you might sit back and think, where the hell are the Dodgers getting this money? Um, They've actually deferred Shohei Otani's contract. So this is a thing that maybe other leagues do, but I've now learned that baseball definitely does, and it's deferred contracts. I mean, I knew they did do it because of Bobby Benilla Day, um, but it's it's nuts to the extent of how they can do it. So every league has its salary cap, but baseball is in a different category all of its own. And again, Shohei Otani is getting $70 million per year. Uh, they're actually only giving him $2 million per year for the 10-year contract. And then when his 10 years is over, they're going to be paying him $68 million a year for the next 10 years. So his contract runs until 2034. And then in 2034, he's going to get $68 million a year from the LA Dodgers up until 2043. Uh, so rest assured, people that love Bobby Benilla Day. So Bobby Benilla Day, he's a player that used to play for the Mets. 
signed a stupid contract. They didn't want him, so they released him, and they had a deferred contract, and they bought him out. And he now gets $1.2 million a year up until the year 2035. So when that happens, you just heard me there. Shohei is from 2034 to 2043. Bobby Benilla is just going to turn into Shohei Otani Day. He's going to make $68 million. Now, they've already deferred the Mookie contract, uh, the Freddie Freeman contract, now the Shohei Otani contract. So I don't like it because it basically just ruins it. I mean, if you can just defer the contract, everybody's going to sign with the Dodgers if they can just promise to pay you later and then keep pushing it. So that's a bit crazy, but... Why I'm mentioning it is because they did get those two big names, and they're now the consensus favorite to win next year's uh, MLB season. Uh, I'm also going to touch on the the Cubs a little bit, because uh, as you guys know, I am a Cubs fan. If you didn't know that, you now know that I'm a Cubs fan. Uh, they had a, a big signing, the, the second big Japanese pitcher coming in, uh, Shota Imanaga. He's a lefty, so he's joining the rotation for the Cubs. Um, I'm going to thank uh, Seiya Suzuki for that one. The The Japanese connection there is probably what got Shota Imanaga to sign with the Cubs. Um, but I'm very excited to see what he can do. I think he's going to be a really, really good piece in that starting rotation. Um, other exciting news is we, we re-signed Cody Bellinger this morning for a three-year $80 million contract. Um, so that was very exciting. When I say this morning, it's right now February 25th. Um, so that was huge to see the Cubs sign in. Maybe it was late last night, but I read the news this morning, so that was super cool to see. Um, so that's going to be really cool. Other things that I'm excited to see for the Cubs going into this season. Um, you know, can Justin Steele continue his growth? He he had a great season last year. Um, can he continue to, to, to grow in that direction and become a really, really good piece next to Shota and Managa in the starting lineup? Um other things, what's Kyle Hendricks going to give us? Um, you know, he, he really is not a big velocity guy. He's a contact guy. He, he's good at getting his outs that way. Like, he does not give up a lot of runs. I'm going to give you that. But he also does not strike you out a whole load. He's not going to blow it by you. He's getting up there in his age, though. He's been starting for a long time, thrown a lot of innings. So it's going to be exciting, or I shouldn't say exciting, but interesting to see what, what Kyle Hendricks can give to the starting rotation. Um, that all being said... I really want the Cubs to be able to go out there and get another big starter, another big relief pitcher, and a huge closer. Um, Preferably of the right-handed situation because they already have a lot of lefties out there. But, you know, a pitcher is a pitcher, and if you can pitch well, you can do it. I think the Cubs are still a couple of pitching pieces away from, from really contending in the playoffs again. Um, but on the offensive side, you know, I'm really excited for the big trio uh, or my big trio of Nico Horner, Dansby Swanson, and Christian or Cody Bellinger. Um, I think they're a really good punch if they're all performing really well. They're great fielders, great hitters, great players all around. I think it's a good, good big three to build around after moving on from the, you know, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, Javier Baez stays, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're getting into something else because who knows, maybe Ian Happ and Seiya Suzuki can really have that breakout season and push themselves into that. Yeah. You know, I'm a bona fide hitter and then they're going to join that, that big three to make it a big five. Um, they've got an exciting youngster, Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, it's going to be cool to see what he can do this year. I've always liked him. Um, the, the one piece that I'm not entirely sure 
sometimes in my head I'm like trading while the while the the, the value is high because I I just I don't think he can sustain it. It's it's Morel, um, Christopher Morel. He's a really good player. Could play a lot of positions. Uh, done a lot of really good things for the Cubs, but you know. I just I don't see him in the in the future of a team, so I think move on while the value's high. Uh, and last thing about the Cubs, I did mention I want them to go out and get another piece of the free agents available. I would like the Cubs to go get Michael Lorenzen. I think he would be a really good addition to the the starting rotation. He's a good righty. Um, one of the other things that I like about him, not that he'll ever get to that level, but. Man, he's like a Shohei Otani. He actually can play both ways. He can play the outfield. He's a decent hitter. Nowhere to the level of Shohei Otani. So I'm not trying to compare the two. I'm just saying he's a two-way player like Shohei Otani is a two-way player. Not to the same skill level, though. Nowhere near. That being said, I think he's a really good player still. It's just, again, Shohei is my GOAT. He's the MVP that I mentioned. Um, so Michael Lorenzen is the, the player that I want the Cubs to get to not finish out the free agency. Again, I'd like to see them get that rotational piece in the in the bullpen or even get that solid closer. Uh, but getting Michael Lorenzen, I think, will go a long way for the Cubs and their starting rotation and their projections this year. Um, but because I'm touching on Michael Lorenzen, I will mention now, moving on a bit from the Cubs, of who I think are the top three free agents left. And it's a consensus where I think a lot of people think the same things as I do. It's Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, and Matt Chapman. Um, Snell and Montgomery are both pitchers, and Chapman is a third baseman. Um, I think Snell is the the best of the bunch available. I would love the Cubs to get him. But again, he's another lefty, and I think he might cost a lot of money right now. So I would rather the Cubs go get Michael Lorenzen. Um but yeah, though those are some exciting ones. Uh, another big name that had recently signed, or big name to me at least, was Tim Anderson. So for those baseball fans, Tim Anderson just signed with the Miami Marlins. Um, so that's pretty crazy. Uh, but now, you know, that's a bit of the, the moves that kind of happened here and there. I'm now going to mention who, who I'm going to predict. And as some of you are probably going to know, John's predictions are pretty wild in terms of they're never overly right all the time. But I'm going to do them anyway. So... Starting off, I think the team that's going to win the AL East are the New York Yankees. The the I call them the the pinstripes of the AL. My brotherly pinstripes in the AL uh, because my favorite team, the Cubs, rock pinstripes. So I think the Yankees are going to win the AL East. My big shocker here, I think the Tigers are going to win the AL Central. Yep, you heard me. The Detroit Tigers are going to win the AL Central. Uh, that city is rolling after the Detroit Lions' huge playoff run. I think they're behind their sports teams. Detroit Pistons, maybe not so much lately because they're not performing well. Um, but I like the... There's three really good pitchers on the Detroit Tigers. I can't fully remember the names now, but they have three really good uh, pitchers in there that can develop into some really good all-star pitchers. They've got some decent bullpen pieces. They've got some decent young players. And, and the AL Central is not a very competitive division. I could see them quietly sneaking sneaking past the, the Minnesota Twins and the Cleveland Guardians. So that's my big shocker. The, the, Detroit, the Detroit Tigers are going to win the AL Central. And the AL West, uh, don't think it's a big surprise. I've got the Astros. As much as I hate the Astros, they're a cheating organization. They're a good organization that the MLB is allowing to continue. So they are going to win the AL West again, I think. Now moving on to the NL side. So the NL West... Uh, 
I've got the Dodgers. I've already mentioned the the big moves and the deferred contracts they have. Shohei Otani again is not pitching. He's he's just coming off surgery, so I don't think he's going to pitch this year. Which means I think he's actually going to hit 60 home runs. That's my bold prediction. He's going to hit 60 home runs and, and push the LA Dodgers to winning the NL West. That's not a bold prediction. I think a lot of people are probably going to predict the Dodgers to win the NL West. The NL Central, where my Cubs win or play and I think are going to win. Actually, okay, sorry. My Cubs play, but I don't think are actually going to win. This is where I think it's going to be a, a last to, uh, a worst to first situation with the St. Louis Cardinals. I actually think they're going to win this division. That franchise is just way too good of a franchise. They, they really know how to put it together, when to put it together, how to use their pieces. And they've got good pieces, good young pieces too. Their, their, their rebuild did not last overly long. Um, and I think they're going to win the NL Central. And now moving on to the NL East. This is where I think the Atlanta Braves are going to win it. Um, it's going to kind of shock you now because I'm moving on to my, my finals or World Series prediction. So I've got the Braves winning the NL East. However, I've got the Phillies going against the Yankees. Um, I'm a huge Bryce Harper fan, big supporter of his. Um, I think Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Shohei Otani are my top three players playing right now. Um, and Bryce Harper, I just absolutely love to watch. And I think that he's going to bring another magical run with that Phillies organization. And it's the Yankees who've done a really good job building a good team this year. I think they're going to face off. And um, you know what? Phillies. Phillies are going to be your World Series champions, everybody. Phillies versus Yankees. So that's what we've got looking forward. Again, spring season, uh, spring training just started. So it's really exciting to see all the, the youngsters playing for their spot and just... You know, baseball happening again. I can't say I sit down and watch many baseball games, but I do enjoy following the sport. Cubs are my team. I, I really hope they make a big splash, but realistically, with what I've seen them do so far, they can make the playoffs. I don't see them making the World Series. Again, go Bryce Harper, go Phillies, and uh, let's see what the baseball season has in store. Next up on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about um, some question marks that I have with the NBA season after the All-Star break. Just in terms of big stories that I'm going to be excited to watch as the playoff push begins. So where I'm going to start it off, and, and this isn't going to be necessarily something to watch, but it's just been a contention in the season right now. Stars in the league have voiced their opinions, and I'm going to let you guys know about it. It's the, the minimum game to win the final season award issue going on right now. So for those that don't know, uh, you, you have to play a minimum number of games in the NBA to be able to qualify for an award. Uh, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it's something around 25% or 20% of the, the games you can miss. The rest of the games you have to play in. Um, it's it's around the 60 mark of... Or maybe it's 65 games of 82 game season. I believe that's actually it. So where this is becoming an issue is right now this year, Joel Embiid is putting together what some people say, including myself, an MVP caliber season. He, he's having a really good season, but he's also been injured a lot. Now, he's no longer played enough games. He, he If he played the rest of the games for the rest of the season, he would not hit the 65-game mark, which means he cannot be MVP. Now, where some people don't like this is it forces people to play when they're injured. 
because they want to win the award. Where I say is, I think that's a bit of, not baloney, but there needs to be some minimum game mark. So, so where would you draw the line? Because I don't think that somebody who plays in half the games deserves to win MVP if they've just barely outperformed somebody who played in the entire season. Because again, we, we mainly base this off the statistics basis and what they're, they're doing on a nightly basis. Now, I'm on the side of, I actually don't mind it. I think that that is enough games because, you know, maybe drop it down to 60. But 65 to me is a pretty good number. I think it's, 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 a, it's an achievable number if you want to show that you are really dominant the entire season. Now, maybe we create another award other than MVP for something else that, that allows Joel Embiid to win something for the season he's having. But it, it's kind of going on the, the saying of the best ability is availability. I, I do stand by, maybe now that's not the best availability, but that is an ability, is availability. So what that's just trying to say is you can have all the talent in the world, but if you're injured and you're only playing five games of the season, what's it really matter? Why am I paying you? Um, that was an argument that Kawhi Leonard had for a while. Um, was he just kept getting injured, so so what's it worth? But he's now really showing that he's healthy and, and why he's worth what he's worth. And I don't want to say Joel Embiid's not worth what he's worth. Like He's an amazing player, but it's just, you know, can he really put together an MVP season without playing the same amount of games as, say, Nikola Jokic or, or Luka Doncic or other people? I also think it, it is a good incentive to stop the the resting of players as they call it but the the load management side of NBA it's allowing the stars to play because yes if you want to win that incentive of winning MVP and get that contract bonus you got to go out there and you got to play and you got to be in front of the fans because this is an entertainment business I'm a little bit on the side not the rash side but I'm on the side of you're being paid a lot of money you're getting paid a crap ton to pay this sport I think you can be out there and play the game. And if you're not showing up to at least 20% of your games or sorry to 80% of your games, like, like we're allowing you to miss 20% of your games. Like that's still an impressive amount to be able to miss and still win MVP. Um, So it's, it's one where I don't mind the number now where I do see the flip side of because MVP is in bonuses and because Joel Embiid could have made a lot more money by winning MVP, he might've come back too early That's one where, because I'm more on the other side, that's where I sit back and I say, that's unfortunate that you're going to miss it this year due to an injury, but unfortunately, injuries have ruined a lot of things. Grant Hill, Greg Oden, Brandon Roy, injuries ruined their career and a lot of money. So unfortunately, injuries do these bad things, and I don't think that that should be an excuse to be like, oh, because I was injured and only played half the games, I should win MVP over somebody that played majority of the games and performed arguably as good as I did. So I'm on the side of I like the rule where it is. I don't think they should change it. If they do, they really should not change it by a lot. But where it leads me into my next question mark with the NBA is I've talked about him a few times in that segment was Joel Embiid. Where does Philadelphia finish if Joel Embiid does not come back? Now, Philadelphia right now is in that playoff spot. They're not in the play-in. They're actually solidified in a playoff spot. I think without Joel Embiid, they fall into the play-in spot. I don't think they fall out of the playoffs. I think they're too good of a team otherwise. Tyrese Maxey is a really, really good player. 
Um, it's exciting to see what Cal Lowry is going to do. He's a Philadelphia boy, so it's exciting to see what he could do out there. But I think they're going to finish in a play-in spot, maybe the 9 or the 10 seed without Joel Embiid. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one to to kind of watch as the season progresses. Um, but speaking about the standings there, uh, out in the East, uh, I don't think anybody's really going to be able to catch Boston. And it pains me to say because those that know me know that I hate Boston. But I give them their respect. They are a good franchise and I do believe that they are going to win the East pretty easily. Um, they're most likely going to be the team that comes out of the East, and they're actually a championship favorite right now. Um, it's out in the West that's going to be the exciting one to watch. So I think the the top four teams that are pushing for it and could win the West, are the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Oklahoma City Thunder, Denver Nuggets, and the LA Clippers. So that's right now the top four. I believe the order is Timberwolves, Thunder, Clippers, and Nuggets. That's the order of the rankings, if I am correct. Um I believe OKC is actually going to win the West, and here's my theory as to why. Uh, Denver Nuggets and the LA Clippers, I think, are the the teams that are going to make the the better championship run. But they're also the teams with really good experience, really good veterans that I think are going to do that load management that I loathe so much, that I hate so much. They're they're going to be the ones that do it. Um, So I don't think the Nuggets are going to push for it. Because another reason why is leading into my next question. So I'll wrap the two into one are where are the Lakers and the Warriors kind of going to end up for the season? Now, I think Lakers and Warriors are going to be kind of in the play-in, but winning the play-in, and they're going to have the 7 and 8 seed. I think they, they've they had a rough little patch going on here, but I think they've got enough stars and talent that they're going to have the 7 and the 8 seed, which means the 1 and the 2 seed draws the experience of the Clipper or the Lakers and the Warriors. Now, as much as you might hate the players on the rosters, you have to admit that they have the playoff experience. Um, hate them or love them, they have the games, they know what it takes. Uh, they are good players when healthy. Um, I don't think that either the Lakers or the Warriors are realistically going to make a championship run. But they could upset a Timberwolves or a Thunder because they're a young team that do not necessarily have the playoff experience. Um, Carl Anthony Towns is a guy that I think is still a little bit immature when it comes to certain things and can't necessarily deliver a, a playoff series run. Now, I'm all excited for him to prove me wrong this year. That's just where I stand on him right now. Um, so again, that's where I ultimately believe, answering my first question, Oklahoma City are, are going to win the, the West. I think with Shea, he's having an MVP caliber season, and he's unbelievable. The supporting cast he has, I believe, is a little bit better than the Timberwolves' overall roster, which is why I think Oklahoma City Thunder are going to push with their youth. Um, They might know they might not have a a championship run, so might as well win the the season and put that under your belt in their resume. So that's where I believe Oklahoma City are going to do it. And Lakers and Warriors, don't be surprised if they have some upsets in round one. But ultimately, they're going to run into the Clippers and the Nuggets. And it's the Clippers that I actually believe this year are going to come out. Um, you know, I don't want to vote against Nikola Jokic. He's kind of proving like, a, in a way, a Patrick Mahomes. Uh, don't, don't bet against him in the playoffs. Uh, granted, it was just one playoff run. But he proved to be utterly, dominantly unstoppable. And I don't know on the Clippers who would be able to stop him. So if, if the, the Nuggets are playing like they played last playoffs, they will win again. I don't think they will do that, and I think the Clippers are actually going to win. 
but Oklahoma City will win the West and Boston will win the East. Um, speaking of the West, though, I think a team that's right now in the play-in that's putting together one of the hottest streaks right now in basketball are the Dallas Mavericks. So the one that I'm excited to see are can Luka and Kyrie stay healthy because right now they're proving like they're one of the better dynamic duos in the NBA. Um, their winning streak is definitely tied to the fact that this is the longest stretch that the two of them have been healthy playing together on the court for the Dallas Mavericks. So that's going to be a really fun one to watch which seed they end up. I believe it's going to be the five seed, the way that they're playing right now. Um, another exciting news, uh, Doc Rivers signing with the Bucks. Where are they going to finish up? I don't believe that they're really going to make noise to, to win the East. Doc Rivers is a coach where... You know, before all of this making excuse stories that some of the stars are saying is coming out, I, I didn't believe that Doc Rivers was the coach they should have signed. Not that Griffin was the coach that was going to do it, and that wasn't a terrible move to fire him. But, I mean, no knock on him. He's a <laughs> ten times million better coach than I am. Much better basketball mind than I am. But from my perspective, what I've seen, he had an amazing Clippers team, an amazing 76ers team, what did he do with either? Neither of them even like reached the finals. Like he he has not played in the finals. And sorry, that's a lie. He brought the Celtics team, so the Celtics team did win under Doc Rivers. But I think that was more due to the the team that they had, as opposed to Doc Rivers being a good coach in that situation. When I say that, I think there was about fifteen coaches in the league that year that would have won with that Celtics team. Maybe that's a lie. Maybe there was five coaches. Maybe not fifteen. But Doc Rivers, to me, is going to be an interesting one to watch. How many more excuses he's going to make going forward. Uh, finally, or not, I shouldn't say finally. Um, similar on the east side as the west side. Uh, <laughs> west side. Um, when I was talking about the Mavericks of pushing themselves out of the play-in, I think the Magic are going to push themselves out of the play-in. They're, they're a really fun team. Um, I mentioned them, I think, on episode one of my podcast of some of the more exciting teams to watch. Um, let me see if I can go back on my notes. Where did I have... I think I might have even had them ranked number two. Or did I have them number one? No, I had them number five, guys. Um, but I like a lot of the youngsters that they have, so... It was exciting to see where they're going. They have, I think, statistically the easiest schedule for the rest of the season. So I think the Magic are going to push themselves out of the play-in spot and into the playoff spot, into the five seed, and have a nice little Knicks-Magic showdown. So it's going to be interesting to watch because I like a lot of the youngsters on that team. And finally, of the teams that are going to be watching to avoid the play-in is Miami Heat. They're my team. I think that they're going to be able to put it together. Eric Spolstra was tying things around, some injury bugs. They had some rough patches there. But I think they're going to put it together and ultimately end up with the sixth seed behind the Orlando Magic. Uh, going against probably the Bucks as the third seed. So it's, it's not going to be an easy matchup, but that's where I think it's going to end up there. Finally, the ultimate loser of the NBA, my prediction on that, the Washington Wizards. Um... I think it's going to be a race between the Spurs, Pistons, and Wizards, potentially even the Hornets. You know what? Maybe the Hornets might do it depending on how long the Mellow Ball stays out. But the Wizards, to me, just don't have it. Like Cunningham and Duran are playing pretty well for the Pistons. Wemby's out there on the Spurs, but I can't name that face of the franchise player that's going to be emerging for the Wizards. 
and and I just I think they're going to ultimately end up as the the lowest team this season. Um, but those are some of the big stories that I have for the NBA season following the All Star break and going into that playoff push. Where I'm going to wrap this episode up is just, you know, segments that I've talked about with friends before. It might be a segment that comes back up if I get a bunch of friends on the episode again. And I'm going to pre-apologize to the fans that are listening that I'm going to mention their franchises and and make them pretty sad. But I am now talking about who I think are the four worst franchises in the big North American four sports. Um, so that's the MLB for baseball, NHL hockey, NFL football, and NBA basketball. I'm going to be talking about who I think are the worst franchises in each league. Therefore, the four worst franchises in North American sports. I'm going to start off with a league that I probably had the least amount of knowledge. So if somebody wants to correct me, please let me know in the comment section of my Instagram page, at Podcast. But here we go. The... Bottom three teams are the Ottawa Senators to me, the Coyotes of Arizona, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, I think the Senators do have a bit of history to them, but recently they just have not been that good of a franchise at all to what I have noticed. But the winner to me in this category, the Arizona Arizona Coyotes. Now, they have absolutely no Stanley Cup playoff appearance or Stanley Cup appearances. Um, they've been around since 1972 and have made the playoffs 20 times, but again, have never made it to the finals. Uh, their overall record is below 50%. They have a 45 and 83 playoff record. Um, they're just never really talked about as a franchise that's going to make moves. Um, not that I'm a huge hockey fan, but I've never really heard anybody talk about the Arizona Coyotes. The Arizona Coyotes are always talked about as a franchise that's going to be relocated. I think they have been relocated and then came back to Arizona. Uh, Arizona fans are ruthless. Um, so it's it's a franchise where I think is the worst franchise in NHL history to me is the Arizona Coyotes. Um, sorry to the fans that do like them, but my... My take on what I know about NHL, that's who I'm putting as the worst franchise. Moving on to the second least knowledgeable league that I know. That's a weird way to word that, but it's the MLB. So, you know, I have the Angels in contention in the MLB, but that's mainly due to recent stuff. Now, some of you are going to say, what are you to talk about? They, they had Shohei Otani, who's your GOAT, and they have M- Mike Trout, who's also in my MVP contention. But that's it. I mean, what have they done? Mike Trout, they have wasted the generational talent of Mike Trout. And Shohei Otani left before they could waste his generational talent. So they also have a bit of historical success. But it's due to recent success, but they were in in contention. But overall, the Mariners and the Padres are also in the bottom three to me. With the Seattle Mariners actually kicking off and winning this thing for me. They're the worst run MLB franchise to me. Now, a lot of you might be surprised by this because they've actually had some playoff success. They've had some really good teams. You know, in 2001, they had a 116-win season. But they also had a playoff drought from 2001 to 2022. Now, you might be saying, well, you can't knock them for their recent success, but... I mean, their recent failures and and give them the overall thing and not do the same thing for the Angels. But the Mariners have never appeared in the World Series. 
So they, they've been around since 1977 and only have had five playoff appearances. They have a 47% overall win record and are 16-22 and 22 in the playoffs. Um, I like the Seattle Mariners. I loved watching Ken Griffey. I loved watching Ichiro. I loved watching Randy. But they've wasted the talents. So that's where I'm going to put them in here. And it's, it's something that's going to come up in another league that I'm talking about. Um, as my worst run but there you have it the Seattle Mariners to me and the fact that they have just wasted talent not even made peeps in the World Series they don't have a World Series percentage because they've never been there even with the teams that they've had so so that's where I'm putting this This is not only teams that have just been generationally garbage it's teams that you know they've they they've never been you know they've had good teams and they still can't win it they just they make the wrong decisions so that's where I'm putting those ones. Next up, I've got the NFL. So the NFL had a couple of teams for me. So the Browns recently are just very kind of up and down and have made some noise, but for a long time just have not done anything since like the Jim Brown era. They have just been a garbage run franchise. Um, the Arizona Cardinals are another franchise that just cannot seem to put it together you know they, they had that Super Bowl appearance with Larry Fitzgerald and that's about all I know about the Arizona Cardinals and their success as a franchise Houston Texans are also in this category but to me are too new of a franchise to be considered the worst franchise in in sports um a one that's similar to the Mariners to me is football it would be the Chargers you know they've had some really really good franchises and just burned out however I think that's more coaching mistakes as opposed to a poorly run franchise mistake. Um, but I could be very wrong on that. The Chargers are in this contention. Um, but ultimately, the team to me that wins it, and it's going to be surprising to say it because of what they just did in the playoffs, to me is the Detroit Lions. So overall, they've been around since 1930. They have a 35% overall win record and a 44% win record in the playoffs. Other than last year, I don't think they've actually ever made it to the NFC Championship game. That's how bad they were. Like, Not only had they not made it to the Super Bowl, they hadn't made it to the NFC Championship game. Now, I, they, they lost last. I, I actually have them going pretty high next year. But because of how terribly run of a franchise the Detroit Lions were for a long time, I don't necessarily think people are going to argue me on this one. Yes, lately they have done it, but again, this segment is all about the entire history of the franchise, which is why the Texans, granted they had their recent success too, but they're not around for very long. So the Detroit Lions, to me, are the team. They've been around since 1930 and have never made it to the Super Bowl, let alone win it. So to me, they're the worst-run football franchise. And finally, moving on to NBA, where... To me, the bottom three were the Minnesota Timberwolves, Charlotte Hornets, and LA Clippers. Ultimately, and I don't think this is also a question, I think it's similar to the Lions where it's not really a question, it's the LA Clippers. Now, they used to be the Buffalo Braves, so they started in 1970. They've only made the playoffs 16 times. They have never made it to the finals, to the championships. I think they, they have the, the longest run of a team to have never appeared in the finals. So that's a trend, and that's one of the things that I'm marking as teams that are the worst franchises. Not only have you not won it, you've never even given your team the chance to win it. And all four teams that I've mentioned here have not given their team a chance to win it. Now, the Clippers to me are similar to the Mariners, where they have a lot of recent... I shouldn't say the Mariners have recent success, but the Clippers have the recent success. Now, 
in a segment ago, I said the Clippers, I think, are a really good favorite. And I think the Clippers could win it this year. And they could knock themselves out of this, finally. But because they've never made it to the championship, they've, they've never tried to go for that Larry O'Brien. I think the Clippers are the worst run franchise in NBA history. So there you have it, folks. My ultimate four worst run franchises in, in North American sport history are the Arizona Coyotes, the Seattle Mariners, the Detroit Lions, and ultimately the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, I think they can turn it around. I'm really liking what I'm seeing with the Detroit Lions and the LA Clippers lately. I've always liked the Mariners for some reason, so they can do it. The Coyotes, meh. I'm a Kraken fan nowadays, uh, now that I watch a lot of hockey. But they, they can turn it around and they can they can get themselves out of my, my bottom four worst. But right now, they're it. And uh, I'm sorry to their fan bases. And there's the end of another episode of Roped In. Thank you very much for listening to the whole thing or listening to certain segments. Either way, you've gotten to this point and you, you've been a listener, so I really do appreciate it. Um, I had a lot of fun with that last segment of the worst franchises, so who knows? I think next week I'm going to do the opposite of the best franchises. So let me know in the comment section. Again, it's at Roped In the Podcast on Instagram. Let me know what you guys think. If you have segments you want me to talk about, who you think I should talk about, who you think I missed on my worst franchise list. Um, I'm always excited to learn more and tell you that you're wrong and I'm right. Um, so there you have it. As always, Hakuna Matata.